0: Welcome to episode number 11 of our podcast series, The Paper Trail, from the Netherlands Journal of Geosciences. My name is Henk Kombrink and in my position as the editor-in-chief, I'm asking authors of papers published in our journal about the highlights of their research, but also the driving forces behind performing the study just to make research papers more accessible and giving authors a platform to tell a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes of writing scientific papers. In this episode, I'm talking to Robert Wörösch. Uh, Robert is a geophysicist at QCon, an independent engineering consultancy company in the industry, energy industry, focusing on s- seismicity induced by operations such as hydraulic fracturing, oil and gas production, Mining, geothermal reservoir stimulation and production, wastewater disposal and CCS. A mouthful. (laughs) Um, Together with his colleague Stefan Bijs, Robert recently published a paper in the Netherlands Journal of Geosciences entitled Induced Seismicity and Seismic Risk Management, a showcase from the California Geothermal Field in the Netherlands. Welcome, Robert. Hello, (laughs) Henk. very uh, very nice that you found the time to uh to record this podcast you are um, <laughs> um this is going to be a nice one i think because it's about a geothermal project uh, in the netherlands uh called the california uh, project so for for those people who are not so familiar with these okay uh, can, can you maybe quickly set the scene and describe what these geothermal projects were about
1: Okay so so the project is located in the southeast of the Netherlands uh, near Fenlo that is close to the German border and uh, the system provided heating for greenhouses uh, for uh, horticultural greenhouses uh, growing pepper cucumber and uh, things like that um, a first doublet was uh, uh, became operational in 2013 and that was uh, extended by a second doublet in 2017 and that second doublet is located approximately two kilometers north of the first doublet so uh, uh, hot water was produced from a regional fault uh, the tegelin fault and was re-injected into uh, the dinantian formation which is also the reservoir from which water is produced and uh, that is uh, of special interest uh, at the moment also for ge- especially for geothermal because the dynantian is is, is uh, identified as one of the major plays for future geothermal projects yeah. so uh, uh, this is the first first geothermal project that is that targets the dynantian um, in the in 2018 the thermal power just to put that in perspective of the uh, southern doublet was approximately something like 11 megawatts Okay that is that is uh, uh now i'm 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 not, I'm not sure if i'm correctly right here but it's in the in the order of say if you do it for if you use it for heating of how, of homes it's something like 2000 houses or something like that yeah that order yeah um so uh when uh, when we joined this project the first doublet was already running for one and a half years and uh, right and uh, we we uh, did a, um, a seismic hazard analysis and uh, also implemented a monitoring network that became operational the seismic monitoring network that became operational in um 2000 i, I just have to check that was in 2015 i think
0: okay let's let let's and, Robert, let's, let's uh, first maybe yeah again reiterate that in a way this project uh so two doublets uh yeah. but, so both the production wells from both doublets were drilling they drilled through the Teglan fault. Exactly, yeah. Didn't they? And the and then the injector wells were located up dip into the into the Danansian carbonates um it, of the lower carbonates. Exactly. Carbonate. Exactly. Yeah. And well, um and in a way uh, maybe that's also good to reiterate for for the for the audience these two projects are quite unique in the Netherlands because it's the, the it's the only geothermal project that actually targeted these limestones, while most of the or all of the other geothermal projects they target cyclastic sandstones. Yeah, yeah. In 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 younger uh, stratigraphy, so that that's that's why I think yeah this project <laughs> was quite of interest to to a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, so, uh, so, so you you then became involved only after the project, the first one started in terms of monitoring um, seismic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That 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 was of course one outcome
1: because uh, of of the SHA because uh, the uh, project is located in the Ruhr Valley Graben, which is a natural, uh, it, which is a seismically active zone. So you do have natural earthquakes there. And so, your seismic risk uh, per se is enhanced at that location you had uh, you have critically stressed faults in the subsurface, so you need a higher alert mode
0: there if you operate such a system yes in this environment and and my so reading through the paper um if I'm correct this so there were four seismic risk assessments performed overall no. across so um but so there but there wasn't one that, that was performed before the first project even started uh, no not at that
1: time i mean okay. uh, yeah exactly so when when we came in and we performed the first hazard ass- assessment uh, the first doublet was operational already uh, for one and a half years i think okay so, okay. and then we did this, this assessment, and that was before the second doublet was right. Set Operational. Up. Yeah. And we, we then did a seismic hazard assessment for this extended system. Yeah. And we did later on, we did some updates as soon as more data became available, because after drilling the second doublet, of course, you had more data available regarding the, subsur- the subsurface. So, you could uh, verify whether the original assumptions were correct. Yes, for that system, and
0: adjust adjust your models accordingly. Yeah, and um, in well, let's first quickly go back to the to the geothermal wells as such, because I, I even remember when these were drilled, especially the first one, and there was quite some antip- anticipation about what would be found. But actually, the permeability ac- across the Tagland fault, was found to be very good wasn't it it is it is exceptionally good i mean that is one of the
1: reasons why why the, these castified limestones are targeted yeah you have a, a larger depth and of course you have a large permeability so compared to yes. other to other systems we have very low uh, pressure losses when when injecting and and producing that is that is or of course economically that
0: that is very interesting for for yes. an operator yeah um, okay, so so that is kind of the, the 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 scene a bit. And so what what was what was your the result of your fir- or the main conclusion really from your first seismic risk assessment? What what, what uh, came out of that?
1: Okay, I I have to go more into depth for that because usually uh, with such systems, uh, what you first look into is uh the uh, you you look into pressure perturbations that are uh that are generated by your operational activity yeah. and the first the first key issue here is the pressure that is uh, uh, that re- results from the injection of fluid into the subsurface and usually in uh, in, in in other projects when seismicity occurred we did have Reduce seismicity related to this pressure injection. Yeah, the mechanism behind that is basically that you that you reduce the normal stresses that, that push the the existing faults together, and that make it make it more critical. And if if you exceed some some criticality level that all, all depends of course on the on the stress field at the site. And that all depends on whether the, the fault is seismogenic at all or not, uh, then you might trigger seismicity. And this, this type of seismicity that has a certain characteristic pattern. Mm-hmm. Usually it starts at the injection point or near the injection point and then propagates outwards from this yeah. injection point. And uh, that happens quite early in such a project phase because uh, pressure propagation is, is, is much, much faster than, than the other uh, stress perturbations, uh, which, which I will explain later yeah. on. Um, but because this system was already operational for one and a half years, you, uh, we knew that the uh, hydraulic pressure field there was at sort of equilibrium by that time. So that you right. had no more pressure changes there in the subsurface and uh, that meant that the situation regarding fluid pressure is more or less safe for for the seismic risk so we didn't expect that any additional seismicity could occur however if you increase the production rate for example then you would have to take another closer look because in that case you increase the stress perturbation again so that was that was something that we also considered in our study. Yeah. So, in case any operational changes are planned, we would have to make another assessment of the situation again. So, but in then,
0: a way, sorry okay. to interrupt you. So, in a way, looking at what you just described, um, and where a system where the pressure is at equilibrium initially, so then you would conclude it's actually quite. A, a, a good starting point for for that geothermal system isn't it
1: that is that is a benefit what you that you
0: usually don't have so yes.
1: if you if you look if you come into a greenfield situation where you where you have some basic idea of how your subsurface looks like but yeah. you usually don't know whether uh, uh, do you do you have a, a, a seismogenic uh, a fault there or something else that that reacts seism- uh, uh, seismogenic uh, then, especially at the beginning of the process, you have to be on a on a much higher alert mode. Yes. Then, when you already know that you have some sort of equilibrium, I mean, you never have a real equilibrium in the subsurface, but it, it's a quasi-static situation regarding the pressures there. Yep. So, and and now the interesting point comes: we have <laughs> we identified another mechanism that has to be taken care of, and that is the thermal cooling. Yeah. And interestingly, that was something that we considered in one of our first studies in the Zerianic study on the project in Basel, where we considered the whole thing as more of theoretical nature only. So uh, I have to explain that this thermal... Cooling. That means because you re-inject cold water into the subsurface, yes. and usually this cold water is has a lower temperature than the surrounding rock. And the deeper you inject it, that so so greater is the the temperature difference becomes. And what happens is that the rock begins to begins to contract. On the one on the one side, that leads to a um, a massive change of stress. Around this cooled rock, but also, and that's that's an interesting point here, that also has a remote effect on faults that are further away because this contraction that is more or less an elastic source Mm -hmm. in a medium, and this force is transmitted through the rock matrix to locations further away from this cooled zone. So basically, that means that. Not only the cool zone is affected by these stress perturbations, but also areas well beyond this cool zone. And that is something that we had in mind in our early studies, but where we said, "Okay, uh, we don't really have any example of something like this happening before." Yeah. And uh, nevertheless, we considered this in our we considered this yeah. in our studies, yeah. and especially for California, that was also something we had in mind because uh, as i mentioned earlier the hydraulic per- stress perturbations we con- regarded them as uh, uh, more or less uh, uh, not really a high risk of yes. high risk compared to the thermal contraction that was the only mechanism that we identified as a potential seismic hazard or that was basically the the uh, the mechanism that drove the seismic hazard at that site yes and then some events happened, <laughs> and then some events happened, and uh, that is also very intriguing because uh, what happened was after uh, the first two years of monitoring, uh, nothing happened at all. Okay, and no, then, no induced seismicity no, at all, no induced seismicity at all, and then suddenly in 2015, I think uh, we had very small events uh, of of magnitude zero and below, and. Uh, not not very much only a few i think on average one or two per year and uh, the thing is that at that area because it's it exhibits natural it, it exhibits natural seismicity it wasn't quite clear whether that is really related to the operational activity or or whether it is of of natural origin and as uh, in in our hazard analysis we uh, implemented a traffic light protocol which is basically a, a scheme in which uh, we, we recommend how to react if seismically something happens. And uh, according to the scheme, which was implemented at the site, uh, these events didn't play a big role because uh, the magnitudes and the corresponding ground vibration was very, very small only. So uh, there was no kind of threshold exceeded in our traffic light protocol. And so, uh, it went on for a couple of years, and yeah. then in uh, in 2018, in April 2018, uh, for the first project, the regulator didn't grant uh, additional permission for operating this system. So, it stopped in April 2018, and uh, then at the end of 2018, in September, we suddenly had an increase of seismicity that culminated in a felt event of magnitude 1.7
0: and that so is odd that, isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that is that is odd uh, but not really if we if we look into our explanation of of this scenario so yeah. basically we, we had a closer look and uh as i said earlier we identified this, this uh, scenario of this contractional forces related to the uh, cooling of uh of, of of rock around the injection well and uh, we did some simulations in the in the initial studies, and somehow that fitted in, uh, that that fit into the picture, because the magnitude we came up with and the time interval in which this, these kind of, of events could have occurred, that were pretty much well uh, fit by by our observations. Yeah. There was, however, there was one big problem with this thing because we identified that the events at least the initial 6 events that were detected they always occurred whenever the uh,
0: doublet system the first doublet system was shut down yes so production had stopped or, and both production and injection had stopped exactly
1: so uh, more precisely uh, the production stopped or the production was reduced Right. And it, that is also true for the other events. So I, I one won of the doublet system, uh, the circulation rate was reduced or stopped. And okay. at certain time intervals after that stop or reduction of flow rate, we suddenly had seismicity. And yeah. that was very intriguing because, uh, as we said earlier, we were pretty sure that pres- fluid pressures in the subsurface cannot be the real problem here. So we had to come up with a mechanism that explains what is happening there. And what we found was that our original assumption that the real or the root cause of this seismicity is actually the cooling and the remote stresses that act on the Teglen fault, that is still valid. But what happens is the Teglen fault is intersected by the production wells. Yeah, That means the wells uh, extract fluid and that also leads to a reduction of fluid pressure on the fault. And reduction in fluid pressure, mechanically that means that you actually stabilize the fault because fluid pressure in itself tries to more or less uh, exert forces against the uh, uh, contracting yes. forces of the stress field of the earth. And if you increase the fluid pressure you try to push open this fault you you work against the 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 compacting stresses and on the other hand if you reduce the fluid pressure in the fault you're doing quite the opposite so the fault gets more contracted uh, or or more compressed and you stabilize the fault and so our our mechanism, that is the most plausible one, is that due to the thermal contraction and the associated thermal stresses acting on the fault, we get an ever got an ever increasing stress perturbation on the fault that tend, tend uh, that tends to uh, uh, to bring the fault close to failure. Yes. However, due to the superposition of this uh, uh, reduction of fluid pressure, which uh, counteracts this effect which stabilizes the fault as long as the fluid pressures were down the fault kept to be stable and whenever they reduced the production rate or they shut in the welds suddenly this pressure shield i would call it was removed and you get seismicity so what does that mean that that basically means that regardless of the fluid pressures or not Sooner or later, you get seismicity because you have an ever increasing force related to the thermal contraction that is acting on the tegel yes, and the situation is complicated to be analyzed by this additional interference of the pressure, and that 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 was what everything what what made everything so so complicated to interpret
0: <laughs> and, and another complication if i'm correct that you, you so you 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 did uh record these seismic events but initially i think the hypocenter so the depth where these events occurred it it wasn't a very clear cuts as to where the uh, what these depths were yeah,
1: exactly. That was another problem because um, the uh, original location of the events they were at a at, at depth of uh, something like six kilometers. And from our simulations, we knew that the actual stress perturbations related to our operations, they are much more shallow. They're yeah. actually at reservoir level, so somewhere around two kilometers depth. So there was a misfit between the seismicity and the stress perturbations. So we tried to run because you always have some uncertainties in your models. So we tried to change parameters and looked how is there any chance that we might have some mechanisms or, or other parameters that might result in such uh, in, in stress perturbation at such uh, large depths that could cause events at that depths. And there was no way we could we could get something at a depth of six, five, six, or even deeper kilometers. So uh, our conclusion was because uh, when locating earthquakes, you have always large uncertainties in in the depths. And we used a a velocity model uh, from the KNMI for the site. And uh, we were convinced that uh, we had problems with the uncertainties in depth. Usually the the, uh, horizontal location is much better determined than the depth. And we always stated that the the uh, events must have occurred at a much shallower depth consistent with our analysis of stress perturbations. And later on, it turned out uh, we had a calibration shot, which at the time could not be used because we didn't have the, sh- uh, the time of the shot, which you right. require in order to, to calibrate your velocity model. And we came up with a with a uh, uh, with a uh, um, an algorithm to uh, nevertheless uh, analyze this data, and the result from that was that we got a, a more sophisticated velocity model where suddenly all the events were at a reasonable depth. Right. So in the end, we could locate all the events on the Taglian fault, and uh, even better uh we did we did additional simulations and saw that they perfectly more or less perfectly fit fitted with the with the actual maximum of the stress perturbations
0: that resulted from our simulations. And and you also because there were two doublets uh, active at the same time but i think most of the activity you could even locate or pinpoint or relate to one of one of those i think the the, the first uh geothermal project where the injection well is actually a lot closer to the fault than the second project isn't that the case
1: um so basically the result of the seismic processing is that uh, with one ex- exception the uh, all the events belong to a cluster that uh, that is associated with the production of the first well of, of the first doublet okay and uh, we could correlate the first six events the reason for that is because at that time only the first doublet was operational we are pretty much convinced that the other events also correlate with uh rate reduction or shut-in but statistically it is difficult to get a unique correlation because you have two systems running in parallel and it's difficult to distinguish between the effect of one or the other. Yeah. That is the reason. So uh, you have mathematically a clear cut between, for the first six events, because they happened when only the first doublet
0: was operational. That is the reason. Okay. Uh, But still, I think, it, it is well we know that the injection well of the of the first doublet was injected cold water much closer to the fault yeah. than yeah. the second one so and i think that if i understood correctly from your paper that 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 seems to be quite an, an important factor explaining why the why it clusters closer to the the, the first one than
1: Exactly. The the, the close vicinity to the fault, that is a major problem here, because uh, in contrast to the second doublet, where the uh, injection well is much further away from the fault, it's actually two kilometers, I think, away from the fault. The first uh, injection well is only it's something like 500 meters away from the fault. And that means uh, the closer the fault is to the source of the stress perturbations, the stronger the perturbation. Yeah. And uh, the sooner you see this effect. So we looked into the lifetime of of both systems and we came up uh, as a result, we came up with the conclusion that the second doublet doesn't really pose a problem for the Tegelin fault regarding this contraction mechanism. Whereas the first doublet is the main culprit for the seismicity. So, so uh, this is the reason why seismicity happened there. And uh, in principle, it's not a good idea to have an injection well close to a fault on the one yes. side, because uh, if you directly inject fluid into a fault, uh, you might trigger seismicity due to fluid overpressures. And on the other hand, you, in, you induce a lot of stresses around the injection well due to thermal cooling. Yes. So the, the, the injection well should be located f- as far as possible away from any seismogenic
0: fault. Yeah. Uh, and was that was that in a way i don't know it, you, you may not have been involved in that per, uh, exactly but it, when the the second doublet was drilled was that already the, the line of thinking that the injection yeah. well had to be further yeah. away from the fault yeah. yeah. okay yeah. yeah but anyway um still both doublets were um stopped in I think, yeah, April, May 2018. Uh, the, the first one in April t- uh, 2018
1: and the other one in August 2018. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and
0: you know, they haven't been able to restart since. Um, no. But one of your conclusions in the paper is that actually based on your findings, and, and you already alluded to that <laughs> just a minute ago, that actually the second project is probably safe to, to operate. Yeah that was was
1: our conclusion in the in the uh, hazard analysis that we said uh, we identified the main cause for the seismicity and yeah. that is not related to the second doublet the CLG doublet and uh, we recommended to continue operation with the second doublet yeah and uh, even the first doublet uh, the point is that uh, looking into into the cause of 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 the uh, seismicity if you set up the sec, uh, the first doublet with a uh, modified injection well you could also be on a sa- on a on a safe side so uh, this close vicinity to the to the fort that that was the main problem here yeah. however at the first doublet you now have this uh, contracted contraction source close to the fault that stays there for some time because the the, the thermal uh, equilibrium or the the refill of of temperature at that uh, that takes quite some time so it doesn't increase anymore because you're not circulating anymore however you still have this cooled zone around the injection well but nevertheless uh According to our model, we basically stopped the root cause for the seismicity. Yes. When I shutting down the,
0: the CWG doublet. Yeah. One one question I I I also have regarding this this, this whole project and the, the sequence of events. Um. Given that your 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 risk assessment correctly identified that what kind of mechanism could, could have could be uh, playing a role in, in causing induced seismic events. Um, would such, a, why was these, why were these projects given the go ahead in the first place? <laughs> yeah, um, that is, at, at, I mean,
1: uh, you have to keep in mind that uh, most of the geothermal project don't produce seismicity. And it, you, you always have the, uh, the the possibility that seismicity may be induced by the operations. Yeah. You don't know upfront. You make some assessments and the important point here is that in this assessment, you uh, assign a certain probability to what, what could happen or what could not happen. And you look into scenarios that even when something happens, you are always capable of mitigating the uh, the risk or the associated consequences. So in, in the hazard analysis we did, uh, basically we put some mitigation measures in place, In uh, so this, this traffic light protocol, the seismic monitoring, that ensures that in case something happens, so in case we observe seismicity, you have to reassess the whole situation, but you have to be capable of avoiding that any kind of seismicity of occurs that exceeds some threshold values. And in our case, uh, a threshold value is uh, cosmetic damage to buildings. Yes. So you can define that. Uh, you can can uh, look into engineering standards uh, at what, what kind of uh, ground vibration uh, cosmetic damage can happen to building. Uh, that is another complicated thing, but I mean that that is straightforward, that can be done. And when we do our 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 hazard analysis, we do some simulations and we come up with some uh, potential magnitudes that occur in the subsurface, and we uh, com- uh, uh, we compute or we derive the corresponding ground vibration. And then we can say, okay, if some certain level is exceeded at this point, we have to stop to avoid a further escalation and potential damage to building.
0: Yeah. But I think um, another thing that that may have played a role here is that, as you describe in your paper, um, only after the first doublet was operational, the dutch framework for seismic hazard assessment in geothermal projects was implemented so in a way timing wise that 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 the first project probably started yeah well it suggests that the framework wasn't in place yet. <laughs>
1: uh, um, no, 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 no. I mean, the point is that uh, our hazard assessment was uh, in accordance with the framework because uh, we right. also developed this framework. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was that was done by QCon. Uh, and it. I mean, and, and it was monitored, the system was then monitored later on. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, of course, I mean, uh, at that time, that all was in place so any escalation of of, of uh, magnitudes was uh, excluded by our by, by uh, implementing this mitigation measure measures
0: yeah okay so that that time that, that timing or timing doesn't really play a role in terms of that framework coming becoming or being no no implemented. no we, we stick to, i mean basically this framework
1: for example this framework that works uh in, in such a way that initially you do something which is called a quick scan so you look into some key parameters that maybe re- that are responsible for induced seismicity and make a first assessment of the situation and then if you identify that you have a a medium potential for seismic risk, you actually do a local uh, uh, seismic or uh, location-specific seismic hazard analysis. And this yep. is what we did.
0: Yeah. So, looking at the current situation, where both projects are not producing, uh, but, of course, the, there is there is a um, quite a, a push to, towards producing more renewable energy, et cetera, and we all know why. Uh, is, uh, do you think the state supervision of the mines is too strict in, in not allowing, especially the second project, to restart? Um, yeah. The, the, the problem is that uh, we provide a
1: scientific analysis yes. of the situation and, and what we think is stated in, in, in this paper. Yeah. Uh, how to deal with the situation that that is more of a political or societal question. So the of question course. is. Uh, are you willing to accept certain level of, of risk or yeah. not i mean every energy technology is associated with a certain risk i mean look 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 at hydrocarbon especially Groningen i mean that is another scale of risk of course but it's it's still a risk and you have risk with every energy technology and yeah. i mean this is, this is not to, up to us to decide i mean that no. that again that that is a political dis- uh, question we can only say that we we think that we came up with a reasonable mechanism that can explain what has happened there. And we think that we can continue operating the other uh, uh, doublet. Because in this environment, I mean, uh, if, if, if we come to a conclusion of, of the situation in the Rohe Valley Graben, if we stick to this rule, I mean, that that means it's questionable whether, whether other operators will start another project there. Probably not so, again i mean that that is not uh, i mean I, I i we don't have to decide that that no. again that is a political decision that is with sodm that is with politics
0: and that is with with the people of of the netherlands yeah. of course uh, i completely understand I completely, uh, I completely understand that um have you have you at, at some point during the project spoken to the the owners of the duplets and, and 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 what their take on this is would they like to restart uh, yeah actually the owner of
1: the second doublet they went bankrupt so uh, this company doesn't exist anymore and uh, regarding the first doublet I, I i don't really know so uh, i'm not sure whether they want to restart the project again or not yeah. i mean because of course it's it's financially it's it's uh, obviously a problem to them so the question is whether they want to restart or not that I, I don't know to, to,
0: no. to be honest I don't know okay okay but there's there's no chance especially given the second project which for which the outlook look, looks a bit better yeah. but given that they went bank yeah that's uh, that's probably uh, <laughs> a bit of an issue there then
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I don't know maybe uh, some some other can take over uh yeah i don't know but i mean that that we, we are doing hazard analysis that we're of not course. we're not in the business of of greenhouse heating and yeah. and uh, I, I i i cannot make a, a decision on what, what is economically viable or, or what is too risky on a from an economic standpoint yeah. so of course. We look into it on a more scientific basis
0: <laughs> of course <laughs> no but it, it, just because there is such a push now towards Renewable energy yeah. and, and 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 geothermal is, is is considered to be part of that. It's I find this an interesting case where maybe a a, a a public debate is required to address that question that you raise about what what are we willing to accept in terms of risks and and I think your paper is a is a good example for that where based on a scientific approach you can actually say well it may be safe and 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 of course then the the question or the the further discussion you need to to have in politics in well sodm probably um but i would i would be quite uh interesting or yeah to to see if if that is going to happen in the light of developments at the moment yeah i guess everyone is (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, if if uh, I mean, a, a decision must be taken in, in in one or the other way because I mean, if you want to uh, if you want to abandon gas, oil, and gas, yes, I mean, you need some energy, and uh, so be it geothermal or yeah. wind energy or whatever. Uh, you have to make a decision here. <laughs> yes,
0: indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, um, Robert, we we've been talking for uh, almost forty five minutes. So okay. <laughs> I think uh it's it's probably time to wrap up. Um time flies. Um I think this was a, a, a great um conversation and, and I think th- this has I think you have made the point very clear as to what, what these driving mechanisms probably are and I think that, that is uh, that's really good to um to be told this. Okay. So th- thanks a lot for your participation. was a great pleasure. <laughs> um, so thanks for taking time out, Robert, to talk about your project. This was episode number 11 of the paper trail. Thanks for listening and tot ziens.